Uh, Aloha, Chairman Schrotz and Vice Chairman Murkowski. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank you for inviting me to testify on behalf of the Department of Hawaiian Homelands at, on, at your oversight hearings uh, committee meeting. Uh, my name is Kali Watson. I'm the chairman as, long as, as well as the director of the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. Uh, access to water has been and remains a critical barrier in fulfilling the purposes of the Hawaiian Homes Commission Act. As detailed in my written testimony, if DHHL is to fulfill the requirements of the Act, we need access to millions of additional gallons of water per day, which will also require hundreds of millions of dollars in investment to develop. A little history about this uh, program. It was created by uh, Congress over 100 years ago. It started in 1921. And it was created in response to the deterioration of the Native Hawaiians or the indigenous people of Hawaii. And as a result of that, uh, Prince Jonah Kuhio Kalanaunuole lobbied and was successful in passing this act, which uh, resulted in the setting aside of uh, a little over 200,000 acres. Uh, Unfortunately, the lands that were set aside uh, were non-arable lands with, with little infrastructure, isolated, uh, and very, very uh, uh, expensive to develop. Uh, Besides the, uh, I guess it's huge uh, deficiency in the uh, assets of the uh, program, there was also a lack of funding. So in the past hundred years of the program's existence, uh, there's been roughly maybe a hundred units or homestead uh, uh, lots that were created. Very, very dismal record based on all these, uh, I guess, uh, uh, challenges that uh, were really not addressed when the uh, uh, program was created over 100 years ago. So if, if Prince Cohill were to be alive today, while he'd be uh, happy about the passage of the act, he'd, very, he'd be very, very disappointed and sad, especially when you look at the reason why that act was created. You know, it was a deterioration of his Hawaiian people that really, you know, was a motivation and the passion in which he lobbied successfully uh, for the passage of this act. You know, even today, uh, we, we still have the same problems. Forty percent of the incarcerated people in uh, the prisons are Native Hawaiians. Forty percent of the homeless in Hawaii are Hawaiians. They have the most disparate or, or lowest amount of home ownership. Of all the ethnic groups, uh, the most overcrowded situation. When you look at the health, they they lead all the statistics on you know whether it's diabetes or breast cancer. Goes on and on. And part of the problem is a lack of housing. And so I think you know when you when and we're in the process of uh, trying to get our projects out. But the biggest hurdle is access to the infrastructure, and because of the location of the lands. And so how do how do we address that? In, in looking at the funding sources, uh, I think the biggest problem is the lack of parity. When, when we talk about the bipartisan infrastructure law, Hawaiian Homelands doesn't have access to that. You know, the DHHL and Native Hawaiian beneficiaries of the act are not eligible and do not have a dedicated stream of federal funding for infrastructure needs that are currently afforded through, through uh, provide uh, in, as is provided in the program, such as the Indian Health Service Program and the Bureau, Bureau of Indian Affairs. 
The Winter Doctrine, which protects a reservation of water established as of the date of the federal government created the reservation involved, does not apply to Hawaiian homelands. But the need for the access, as well as the funding, remains. And so I, you know, basically, uh, when we look at all our different homestead uh, areas throughout the state, we have this big, big problem. A, a good example is in Lealii, which is part of Lahaina. We had these wildfires, uh, as all of you know about. And, uh, you know, it was very, very tragic. Uh, many people died in that event. But fortunately, the Lealii, which is a phase one we have there, of about 104 homesteaders, uh, they were, because of the construction material used and various other things, uh, only two of the houses were destroyed, uh, unlike the 2,200 that were lost. And so we're in our second phase and where we want to put additional housing, not only over there, but right up the street in Honokawai, another area we want to put in housing as well as develop our ag and pastoral lots. Big problem, no water. And so we are attempting to uh, find sources of funding to move these programs along. along. But without that kind of funding, these these unfortunate uh, next phases, as well as the current development of Honokawai, as well as all of our projects throughout the state, whether it's the Big Island, Molokai, or Maui, or even Oahu, without infrastructure funding, not only can we not put in the water systems, but also the sewer systems, the roads, and all this infrastructure that makes development possible. So un- unless the federal government steps up, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for us. And part of it is not only the funding, but the uh, current laws that really deprive our particular program, which was federally created 100 years ago, unless we change those laws uh, to great parity with other Indian as well as Alaska entities, we're going to continue to be plagued with, uh, as at present, we have 29,000 people on our waiting list and it's growing. So I ask you uh, to really consider that in your deliberations and uh, I'd like also, in conclusion, thank Chairman Schatz for allowing me this opportunity to testify. Mahalo. Thank you very much, uh, Chair Watson. Um, Professor Tanana, please proceed with your testimony. 